Okay, hi, good morning. Good morning. Let's get back to Lee Radziwill. Lee Radziwill? I couldn't quite remember her I don't know yesterday. Lee Radziwill. She's Jackie Onassis' sister. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and um, she had such a glamorous life. First of all, she looked a lot like her sister. Okay. Um... I'm just looking at some, she died in, at age 85 um, in 2019. I'm just looking at some pictures of her from um, archive, New York Times archives. So I don't know anything about the Bouviers. Are they like a blue blood family? I think well? so, yes. In a cape and satin dress by Nina Ricci in 1962 during a photo shoot at some very exquisite and fancy place. Photo shoot at an estate in Paris. Oh, my goodness. Her first name is Lee. Mm hmm. A Polaroid of Radziwill taken by Andy Warhol in 1972. Radziwill with Mick and Bianca Jacker in Montauk, New York in 1972. Gosh. Napping with her West Highland Terrier, 1985. Yes, very glamorous, very glamorous. With her ex husband, Herbert Ross, at Giorgio Armani party. At the Musée Rodin in 1989. Oh my goodness. So glamorous. So is there actually a George Armani? Yes. And, okay. And when is there still? Yes. Okay, he's alive. In Conca dei Marini, Italy, with her sister in 1962. Boy, oh boy. Oh, here she is with Truman Capote. <laughs> Truman Capote. Truman Capote. Shopping with her daughter, Tina and Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis in Capri. Capri. You're supposed to say Capri, not Capri. It's, Capri, it's Capri. In yeah, 1970. Impossibly say, thin, impossibly tan, impossibly wealthy. Wow. Yeah. I knew she smoked. Well, you got to. Radziwill today in uh, Azadine Aleya jacket, Alaia jacket, and her own earrings holding her signature Vogue. Oh, wait, she's still alive. No, no, no. She died <clears throat> in 1989. In 1989? Okay. No, sorry. Tw she died in 2019. 2019. All right. <laughs> Good. Yes, too much glamour. When did uh, Jackie Onassis die? Like, you know, she died no, I am a while ago. I was wondering like when exactly. Like 10 years ago or something. Like, I would know. You're the person that always knows Well, you're stuff. on the internets. The internets knows all. Her ex-husband, Prince Stanislas, known as Staz, in 1967. Sure. So glamorous. With her sister, Jacqueline, at a debutante ball in 1951. Uh, Jack. Oh, my goodness. Radziwill at home with her daughter Tina in a room designed by Mongiardino in London in 1966. Her parents, John and Janet Lee Bouvier in Southampton, New York, 1932. So, so all this furniture, Lee Radziwill in the living room of her apartment in Paris, which she designed, very beautiful. It all reminds me of... Fred, 1717 Green Lake Boulevard, which was my step-grandmother, who I only knew as my grandmother, 
and her children and my grandfather's house on uh, the St. Joseph River in Elkhart, Indiana. Mm-hmm. It was very glamorous, very well designed, beautiful decor. There was a den. <laughs> oh, see, I this picture, I'm going to send you this picture. This is like my I my fantasy house. I've always wanted the chocolate box house with the white painted brick and the black shingles and this, you know, classic but contemporary decor because it is such it is such a wonderful elegant memory emblazoned in my earliest childhood memories. Interesting. Wearing a little velveteen green dress for Christmas. Sure. And sitting with, next to the fire with my back getting too hot from the fire. Oh, nice memories. Yeah. And what's that, their house was like a, a mid-century type thing? No, it wasn't mid-century. It was just beautifully, classically mm-hmm. designed oh, and wow. decorated. Gosh. Anyway. Elkhart, how did Elkhart make its bones? so to speak. Is there a single industry? Yeah, or? I think the RV industry. Oh, R- RV is Elkhart? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, and um, musical instruments. Oh, the Selmer? Mm-hmm. Are they... Uh, yeah. And I think manufacturing in general. For a while, it was the kitty litter capital of the world. Nice. There's mm-hmm. got to be money in cat litter. Mm-hmm. Okay. The margins are probably very high. Mm-hmm. I think so. Okay. So going back to some things we were talking about yesterday, you said that you were not a purveyor of so much of fiction. Oh, I'm just not very practiced at reading fiction. You know what you're very so practiced at, at reading is owner's manuals. You love a good thick owner's manual. You well, dive right in. Um, I appreciate the necessity <coughs> of owner's manuals, yes. Um, now, of course, a lot of things are, are moving to the online. So, you know, whereas part of the packaging uh, in your box used to be reserved for um, a thick owner's manual in multiple languages often, um, nowadays it's often just uh, scan the QR code and, you know, you go to the website and all your owner's manual is there, which is fine, but it's not fun to read PDFs on phones. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not. Because you hoard owner's manuals. Don't hoard owner's yeah. manuals. You hold on to what you need. But I found your stash. There's Michael no stash. has stashes of owner's manuals. Um, Everyone's got their stash. And I threw your stash away a couple of years ago. I recycled it. No, no that's because very thoughtful. A lot so now when you give those machines to somebody, they'll know how to operate them. Because a lot of the machines have already expired and you still hung on to the manuals. What do you mean manuals. expired? I don't know, like a little... They're still sitting in the house. No, not all of them. Well, yeah, they are, but no. I don't think we need an owner's manual for the little vacuum, a stick vacuum, the little one that has 10 minutes of battery charge in it. I think we pretty much know how that works. You often don't know how it works. Or you can't, uh, you know, get it to charge or whatever. Mm. Um, I think I can get it to charge. Okay. Uh, look, I mean, for me, it's just you're the one who buys all this crap all the time you know it's a ridiculous number of vacuums none of them fucking work we have a ridiculous number of pets so we need a ridiculous number of vacuums yeah but it doesn't matter none of them really work particularly work. well mm-hmm. I mean nothing works as good as the old um, 
uprights like uh, grandma used to have <laughs> that were heavy as hell. Yeah. Run over your foot, you're fucked. But yeah. goddamn. I yeah. remember when one of my Dutch colleagues moved to the U.S. to work at Microsoft, and he was in a rental house for a while, and he yeah. posted a picture of this hilarious, he thought hilarious vacuum yeah. cleaner. Yeah. It was an upright vacuum from probably the 50s the 60s. or 60s. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the European vacuums suck because you're always dragging and towing the thing behind you pardon the pun but i said to him matthias i am sure that that vacuum cleaner is still to this day an absolute i was gonna say give it a go give it a go and uh, they also when vacuum cleaners first power on they have that strange smell and i know i'm like i bet it smells weird but it it's a beast yep Mm -hmm. uh i also want to go back to my aversion to reading series or mysteries or you know mm-hmm. um books with recurring characters uh which i just oh, okay. hate the concept of with the exception of mm-hmm. and these are all beach reads i will confess the books by carl hyacin well they sometimes have the recurring characters yes. right but it's not like the you know, newest Jack Reacher or whatever type but thing. But those are dime store novels. He can crank those things <laughs> out. They are, they are formulaic without diversion, usually having a world-weary or, a, you know, a world-weary female heroine, a bunch of doofuses who are all men running around screwing up the world, and she's always the no-nonsense one, usually paired up with somebody who's sort of comically and tragically heroic, who is motivated by a sense of environmental justice. And the villain is usually someone like a politician or a condo developer or some idiot that's you know killing a protected species. Right. Anyway, whoever the antagonist because he's based in Florida, right? So based in Florida, so condos he's wa- and yeah, uh, he's watched Nico, the yeah. you know the wetlands <laughs> and South Florida be destroyed over the decades mm-hmm. by greed and stupidity, <laughs> and the villain of his books always dies a hilariously horrific slapstick death. It is the same story with just different colors and characters every sure. single book i think i've read all of his books really okay because they're just very cathartic didn't one of the first ones you read like had a labrador in it or something yeah right? and somebody yeah. had like a fake eye and the fake eye popped out of the guy's head and of course the labrador lapped it up and swallowed it i mean just you know or and then yeah. i think in that book that the villain I, I think he did um exotic animal hunting and so he was gored by a rhinoceros horrifically or something like that. You know, it's just gotcha. always, but gotcha. I, nice. the, he is my, he is my one exception to that sort of serial. Yeah. But, but I, I would distinguish that. I mean, he's not building the narrative, right? Or I mean, it, it's not the further adventures of that guy no, who used right. to be homeless. It's about as close as I can get to that whatever. sort of yeah. thing. Though. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, shout out to Carl Hyacin. Jack uh, Ryan. Um, I'm having an existential crisis. Yep. It's not existential. I'm having a crisis of business morality and ethics. 
Okay. Now my crisis may be coming out of the fact that I've been sick for five days and haven't had a whole lot to else to think about. I really, really, really have a problem with coffee cups. We you both, have a problem with coffee mm-hmm. cups? Oh, okay. So as we know, coffee cups are, of all of our reusables, low value, hard to clean because they come in contact with the mouth, lipstick, you know, milk proteins. Mm-hmm. And there's hundreds of millions of them going into the environment every year. But the business model and the environmental logistical model of coffee cups is just really hard. And I feel like stepping back from coffee cups, the whole coffee cup issue is in the same vein as Bill Gates putting money into new feed stock for cows or genetically modifying cows so that the cows... I'll say this gracefully, output or byproduct mm-hmm. is much reduced in methane. When the easiest way to solve this is for everyone to just eat a lot less beef. Now, I'm not a vegetarian. I think that meat eating should be exquisite and rare and local because everything dies. And a lot of things die because it's food for something else. I think that's how we have, we are in a luxury position of being able to choose how we eat our animal protein or whether we do or not. Mm-hmm. But with coffee cups, it's kind of the same thing. We're trying to solve for a problem that was originated by industry. When I first moved to Seattle, again, you know, I wasn't a coffee drinker when I moved to Seattle. But Starbucks hadn't become a chain yet. So there was the one original Starbucks. I'm sure there's a line out the door of that original Starbucks now because of TikTok. But the original Starbucks was still just a normal little Logo's different. walk-in cafe. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, free the nipple, not Starbucks. Ain't going to free it. Yep. Um, Wait, uh, so, so, so just so I understand, though. So <clears throat> you're suggesting with uh, Biff, the... Um, solution is eat less of it uh so what is it with coffee you're saying people should just drink less coffee i'm saying that maybe we need to reject the industrialization and the commodification and the proliferation of coffee consumption outside of the home or outside of a cafe yeah well it's a cultural phenomenon that yeah. Well, it's like, you know, Bill Gates has decided, once again, because he's so wealthy, he's deciding for the rest of us how we're going to reduce methane output from beef. And he really loves hamburgers, so he doesn't want to eat fewer hamburgers. He wants to make sure that co- that cows aren't, um, <laughs> yep. you know, releasing into the yeah. environment uh, so much methane. Yeah. And the easiest that, that way is to, a solution for sure. to do that is to just have fewer cows on the planet. Um the easiest way to solve the single-use coffee cup problem is to have fewer single-use coffee cups or, shall I say, portable coffee cups in the world. I remember the day that Starbucks came to the Netherlands. I was I was a little bit crushed because one of the reasons I love living here is the absence of chain, well, ch- you know, chains in general, yep. American chains in general. There isn't a lot of fast food here. There wasn't a Starbucks here. It was cafe culture. 
And when Starbucks comes to town, the cafe culture starts to recede. And that is a horrible shame. So I am having trouble with us participating in mm-hmm. the single-use coffee cup problem because I think we need to have a cultural reversal and just stop drinking portable coffee. Everything gets better if everybody just takes a coffee pausa. You go, you sit, you have a nice ceramic coffee cup. You know, maybe your dependence on caffeine is reduced a little bit. Maybe people need to take more in- mental breaks throughout the day. We know that this is good for people. A break is better than being constantly caffeinated and sitting at your desk, not interacting with anyone. Well, I think there's a couple issues here. Um <clears throat> I do think it's fair that basically Howard Schultz is the one who, you know, decided that it's cool for us to drink coffee. Um, but, you know, I, I usually don't blame the purveyors, uh, it, at least no more so than I would the, the consumers. So people have decided that Starbucks should be on uh, every corner of uh, every city center. Um I don't like that particularly because I think especially Starbucks is not great product particularly. Um, there is consistency, I guess, in how it's prepared now since it's just pure button pushing. Uh, so it's, it's not the barista art. But I think really the the rise of something like Starbucks is just about, you know, vacuous uh, consumerist culture and the idea that all of a sudden, you know, there's a trillion different ways... <coughs> to drink coffee and I mean all that is is a bunch of horse shit I mean the difference between a latte and a cappuccino and th- this this is all nonsense but you know when you decide to foist this idea on a granted uh, very willing to receive uh, such a concept public um, all of a sudden there becomes this you know connoisseur uh, notion and everyone has sophisticated coffee palettes. Um, and that's, I think, what drives part of the demand. Is everyone wants to be a, a knowledgeable coffee drinker, and this is the way you do it. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do if, if that's what people want? Um, now, I do think that, as far as I know, at least last time I looked, I think the science suggested that people who drink coffee, you know, routinely, uh, you might need the caffeine burst to get to your, you know, normal level of performance. Um, but the caffeine isn't going to help you exceed your normal level of performance. So it just becomes a, a kind of a, um, a requirement, but it's not going to take you past. Whereas, um, if you don't drink coffee at all, you can still be, you know, performing at whatever you're, level is yeah but again it's all about just you know this idea it's fun to sit in a wired starbucks cafe or whatever and you're you're sipping your uh pumpkin um ristretto or whatever the fuck you might do but listen to what you're saying you're talking about performance you're talking about caffeine as it relates to work oh because but this is the trope i mean at least it's certainly since i've been alive but i think you know i associate it with kind of a well, it certainly predates mid-century, but, um, you know, if we just 
think about whatever relative affluence in, in the U.S. Um, and you know, post-war, it's just you 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 drink coffee. That's what you do. You start your uh, morning with coffee, and you have the the styrofoam cups. You know that that that's what you drink uh, on the job. You know it, that's. Not so there you, is coffee culture. Not if you're a construction worker in Italy, you walk into well, the beautiful barista that's yeah. been there 200 years. Sure. You know, with the zinc countertop, yeah. you're served your little doppio espresso. Yeah. You down it. You have a minute with your friends. You follow it with a little chaser of water and you get back to work. And you drink it Standing. out of a little ceramic. Uh, yes. Demitat. Yeah. Uh, like, it's uh, culture, not commerce. Well, but but the the styrofoam, uh, you know, bonomatic uh, coffee is, is also culture. Yeah, and I think it's it's valid in a way. You know, I mean, when Moss and Aaron all get their donuts and coffee to go, that's presumably in styrofoam cups, and and that that's fine. It's, it's which a culture thing. would you rather live in? Um. Well, I'm not a huge fan of styrofoam. I like it from a technology standpoint, but we don't have very good infrastructure. I, I'm glad to hear that you're it. not a huge fan of styrofoam, Michael, well, considering well, uh, the business not, that we're in. I have nothing against the material per se. It's this fantastic material. That's why we've developed so much of it. Uh, but no, we don't have a great way of dealing with styrofoam. So We don't know, have we, any way of dealing with styrofoam. Well, we, we, we do. We, we just don't uh, dedicate enough uh, effort to it. But it's would be relatively easy to collect but it's just it has that you know strange mix of so i think it was about gosh maybe seven eight nine years ago there was some construction going on on the other side of the lake where we live Mm -hmm. and i don't know what those guys did or what they emptied out of a bag but within one day the lake was covered (laughs) in sheets of styrofoam peepskam peepskam what a cute word for a horrible horrible I have to stop saying horrible too. I say horrible and awful too much. Uh, material. And as the years have gone by, you know, we tried to pick up as much of the big chunks as we could, but as the years have gone by, yeah. that styrofoam is starting to break down into the individual little pieces and it floats and it washes up along the shore. And now it's getting. Uh, you know, algae yep. or mossy, but it never goes away. It's always there and we can follow it. It's like, oh, it's on that bank of the lake right now. Now right. it's on the other side. Years and years and years. And it's always going to be there, which is, by the way, we need to get the great bubble barrier on that lake, which is a female founded technology that puts little bubbles around the coast or the banks of a river or a lake and pushes the pollution inward so that it can be collected. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely, I have to stop saying absolutely too. I love this company. I love it, of course, because it's female founded, but it was also started the same year we founded Ozarka and it's not getting nearly enough attention that it deserves. It should be getting equal amounts of attention, attention if not more so than the ocean cleanup. But they're, you know, too busy doing the job and not putting so much into. I was gonna say it's PR not as and, sexy a solution, though, right? Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a, a a upstream solution. and yeah. you know, low tech solutions are probably most. Well, it's an upstream. Uh, it's a it's a downstream solution. I mean, the pollution's already in the area. Well, anyway. I'm saying it's not as downstream as in the ocean. If you're treating rivers yeah. and estuaries, that that's going to be more efficient than. Yeah. Which the ocean, the ocean cleanup is finally doing, which is what they should have been doing this whole time. They are uh, finally doing it, although I don't know what they're. I would love of. to get, I would love to get the great bubble barrier girl women on the podcast, and I hope to at some point. 
Going back to Starbucks. Yes. So Schultz went over to Italy, fell in love with the espresso culture and said, oh, I've got to bring this to America. So his original intentions were good. And then he turned to the dark side, the dark roast side, if you will. And now Starbucks, you know, American commerce has infected and overwhelmed European coffee culture. When I was starting to really fall out of love with Seattle, there was a moment, I think it was on Fifth Avenue, the Pike Pine Corridor. There was a Starbucks on the street, on the other side of the street. And then once you walked into the skyscraper, another Starbucks right in there. There were three Starbucks within, you know, 50 meters of each other. Right. I'm like, what this is? I What is this? What's happening to the city? Uh, so I was just looking up the calorie content of some of the Starbucks drinks now. So a venti white hot chocolate has 590 calories in it. It has 15 grams of saturated fat, which is 75% of the recommended daily value in a drink that somebody could drink if it was cool enough in a few seconds. Yep. <laughs> Starbucks says the drink is creamier than creamy and added with buttery white chocolate flavored sauce buttery means syrup. No, I love to sauce. To make for a richer coffee. taste. Uh, uh, yeah, all the you... frappuccinos, all of them have 500 calories minimum. So that's, you know, 23 ounce drink with 140 milligrams of caffeine, which can help you if you can bear to, you know, finish it without vomiting. Yeah, but the, but that's good old Americano stuff, right? Or, no, okay, no, sorry. Uh, I don't mean, I mean Americana and not mm. Americano. Uh, so, you know, this, <clears throat> like the seasonals and the, hey, you know, it's time for your pumpkins uh, latte and it's time for your eggnogs and all that. I mean, the hot I kind chocolate, of applaud Michael. Starbucks for that because, I mean, that that just, it's such an obvious example of how ridiculous. Uh, A hot this chocolate, is. which you're yeah. going to feed to your kid. A large hot chocolate of venti is 550 calories. So, of course, they don't have this here in Europe because we don't have drive through culture here. But I saw, and I'm sure this is going to be very old news to Americans, they will sell you for $2 or something, something called a pup cup, which is a little cup of whipped cream that you can give to your dog. So they're going to make your dog fat. Jesus. Matcha cream frappuccino, 500 calories. I don't know. Wait, that's tea, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, matcha is supposed to be good for you. Uh, I mean, yeah, but but they, they I don't think the problem is the calories particularly because it's not like people are you know on their third venti uh, hot chocolate of the day or whatever. You don't you think don't drinking drink... five hundred calories is a terrible thing for your body? I love five hundred. calories. It's a terrible thing for your body. A terrible, Michael. Thing. I mean, it's all it's part poison. Of the... Don't say that. Look, with milk, juice, toast is all part of a balanced breakfast. Michael, stop being sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic. You are. I heard the Cap'n Crunch, but okay. I know that there's nothing right. wrong with Cap'n Crunch. Moving on. No, no, come on. I, I'm not pro uh, Starbucks in particular because, you know, Starbucks is Dirk Benedict as far as I'm you concerned. You can be quite tiresome. Yeah, so can you. So I want to add a new word to my band words on the podcast. Um... This word that shall not be spoken on the podcast is wild. W-I-L-D. Yes. Again, I think Rogan started this. Everybody else picked up on it. 
Wow, that's it's wild, man. It's wild. It's just oh, okay. it's crazy what's going on in the universe, what's going on with politics. It's wild. Wild. Everybody says wild. I mean, it's a very old fashioned yeah. word. I remember people using that word in the seventies and he's brought it back. It's wild. Okay. Nothing is wild on my podcast. Except animals. Um yeah, that's strange. That's, that's not a It's a weird one, huh? The most precise use. Yeah, I remember the um the intro of uh, Yankee Rose, I remember. He 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 just says that yeah, it's wild. Wild, wild. Um But he's using it in, in place of absurd or ridiculous or unbelievable. Yes, not untamed. He's he's not although it could mean that, I suppose. But he's like, you know, there's an such a such an obvious connection between the corruption of of Biden and and, and President Biden and his son's affiliation with oh, yeah. powerful businessmen mm-hmm. in U- the Ukraine, and nothing's being done about it, and no one's talking about it. It's wild. And that's wild, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's sort of that context. Yeah, that's not the best choice of word there, so, I guess. Okay, wild is now officially added to the well, list. Unless you're talking about domesticated animals michael yes unless you're talking about in in the context of how people are overusing this word these words are banned from my podcast because they're overused right that's why they're banned and inappropriately used no just that they're overused yeah both perhaps no yeah overused all right all right Um, so you're telling me that there are instances where i can use the n-word that is narrative no because it's overused okay because everybody's using it appropriately. They're just overusing it. Yeah. I, I would, it, yeah. Okay. okay. They're using it not inappropriately, but they're using it in a very contrived manner. Well, People like to say narrative it. instead of story. Yeah. They're overusing it. Yeah. So Wild is now uh, banned on my podcast. All right. Okay. You heard it here last. See you later. Peace out, yo.